Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie and TV Awards podcast, where we look at all the many things nominated for different categories of the MTV Movie and TV Awards year by year, and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Craig, a foremost kissing expert. And we both got some of that TV expertise coming up uh, for us. So how are you doing this week, Ben? I've been doing really good. Um, yeah, we are recording this sort of on the um, near the beginning of 2022. Yeah, it's our first record of the year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Yeah, people, I think we're, we're going to be like, we might even be not well into February, but we're getting pretty close. It'll be like the end of January, I think, when this yeah, comes exactly. out. Yeah. So perfect time to wish someone a happy New Year. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's crazy that that meteor took out all of Ohio, and we called it in this podcast right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to feel really bad if a bad event actually does happen. That's the that's the lack of benefit of recording these really early. Oh. I'm really glad that we didn't talk about like Betty White in any of our previous ones. <laughs> yeah, really glad we didn't plan a 100th birthday like big live TV <laughs> celebration or put out yeah. like a or put out like a People uh, magazine uh, cover saying how she's turning a hundred. Just yeah, exactly. You know, or um, my far worse worse idea. You know, my uh, big hundredth year roast of Betty White. Just <laughs> thing about Betty White, like it's sad. I know when people are like, yeah. "Oh no, not her too," but like she's a nearly a hundred years yeah. old like it's there's, yeah there's like a pretty funny clip going around um i don't know what it's from but it's like a bunch of nuns sitting in a room and it's like oh we're, we're like we're still looking into the death of like of like S- sister meredith and, it, and one of them's like um do you mind if i ask how old she was and they're like 96 and it's like that might have something to do with it yeah like it's yeah. I feel when you're that like, old, it, it's fine if you die. It's like, <laughs> well, not to sound like uh, harsh, but like uh, that's just like really funny. Just like put that on the Twitter, like Kenny Sage's thoughts on the on the on the the Betty White tragedy. I shared my thoughts. I mean, yeah, but the real thing is, no, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> When kind of the the Mary Tyler Moore show, which Betty White was kind of on for a time in like the seventies, and pretty much in the past like two years, basically every living cast member of that has like passed away between like twenty nineteen and like the last day of twenty twenty one. So that that part I'm like, oh man, that's kind of sad. We were like, you know, one of the. Uh, this really funny and influential sitcom from back in the days, and all of a sudden everyone's just kind of gone. Um, so that's mm-hmm. that, that's my like more sentimental thing on like the passing yeah. of Betty White, and yeah, you know it's sad she didn't get to a hundred, but still ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, still really good. It's not like a Carrie Fisher thing. Like it's oh yeah, that was that was much sadder. Yeah. Um. But anyways, who cares about? <laughs> what I'm saying is he cares about death. Um, death is sad. We hate death. Um, yeah. But mm. let's look at something that's not death. But that's probably better to say it. The not 2019 yeah. MTV Movie and TV Awards. The, the polar opposite of death. Yeah. Host, hosted by Shazam himself, Zachary Levi. On oh. oh. <laughs> you said that. I my man mind immediately went to um 
Shaquille O'Neal's Kazam. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't believe he hosted this year. But a bit out of pocket, but okay. Yeah, Shaquille, Shaq is back. Um, yeah, it was. It took place on June fifteenth. I feel after most in April, I think they pushed it back so they could get Infinity or Endgame in there. Um, oh yeah, because yeah, because Endgame one, which wound up being pretty canny, like thinking for him, considering that the twenty twenty awards didn't happen. So. Um, yeah oh man oh little little side tangent um uh the people at my work we usually right after christmas is usually like our slowest time like like in like the new year mm -hmm. um just because like everybody everybody's already bought all their christmas stuff and like so we just started playing movies i don't know why but all my coworkers just like playing they play marvel movies in like the weirdest order ever like, they play Endgame, and then they play Age of Ultron, and then they play Civil War. And, like, I'm just... I don't... Like, I don't know why you would pick, like, the ensemble ones to just only play. I don't get that. Yeah. I mean, who yeah, who cares about, like, the good... Yeah. <laughs> who cares about, like, good solo films? Dude, yes. Yeah, it's super. It's it's super weird, but uh, yeah, that's my little little Marvel side tangent. I also finished. Um, I finally finished like the last seven minutes of the second last episode of Loki. So hopefully, I'll be able to get that last episode out so I can start on a different series. Yeah, gotta get on that Hawkeye. Oh wow, sorry, he was just looking at stuff that happened in this year and for best performance in a TV show. One of the nominees like got listed, but then his nomination got rescinded due to personal conduct issues. Oh, jeez, that's, that's super. Like, I, I, oh my gosh, I, they gotta give more details than that. Oh, well, it's, on, this is, it's the Wikipedia it's, thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, oh, man, I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but I feel like. If this were maybe a, a previous MTV movie show award, they would have loved to run with that drama. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was really not. Maybe it was really unfun personal contact issues. Yeah, I I feel that's kind of the that yeah yeah yeah. I feel that's kind of the like, case here. It's yeah. I'm I'm just looking for the thing like Jason Mitchell. It's also just. Trying to remember his scandals from way back when, but yeah, he would. He he also got dropped from a movie, and he was the only male in yeah. the category. Um, yeah, I'm on his Wikipedia, and it's always a bad sign when like one of the first tabs is sexual misconduct allegations. Um, that's never a good sign, um, and right below that is criminal charges. Uh, but this was after the. Or maybe it was around... Wait, when was the show filmed? So I always forget these happen like a... Uh... Oh yeah, this was much after. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, no, so that's... I'm assuming that's... Um, that's I'm assuming that's what the case is. Yeah, good call from MTV then. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, moving on to more fun things. Dwayne The Rock Johnson won the MTV Generation Award. Jada Pinkett Smith won the MTV Trailblazer Award. Um, wow. It's 
can really tell how like television and film kind of been splitting the categories a bit or though I guess though I guess even last year you were seeing seven noms but now no one received more than four nominations um oh yeah things are getting kind of fractured a little bit there aren't any like uh there aren't any clear winners anymore yeah and like you know, split categories shared categories it, Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Endgame got four nominations. Game of Thrones got four nominations. Riverdale got three nominations. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, uh, I I'm glad I got a peek into what Riverdale was like in this era. Um, in contrast to last uh, last time I tuned in. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> God. Oh wow. And then, oh, it looks like. I wonder if this was a one-off category, or maybe, maybe this is something we cover someday. They did a best real-life hero category, where Ruth Bader Ginsburg seems to one-handedly over people like Hannah Hannah Gadsby, a double a WWE person, the free solo guy, and Serena Williams. Just ah, oh, man, <laughs> that's. What a weird category. Um, Look, Ruth Bader, the Ruth Bader you know, Ginsburg good, documentary. Good winner. <laughs> good winner. Just like weird. Oh, I guess are these all these are all from movies, aren't they? Oh, okay. I, mean, I thought WWE. Just... I feel is like a. Oh, it's like well, it's like TV. I thought they were just picking random people. Um, I didn't know. Like, imagine if like you're like the biggest hero ever, but nobody nobody made a TV show or. Uh, or a movie about you, so you can't be eligible. Oh, you thought the category was just for, like, in general? I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was just people. <laughs> it says best real-life hero. <laughs> but yeah, our RBG, a movie, eventually we'll have to figure out how to judge when it gets to best fight, in which one of the nominees was Ruth Bader Ginsburg versus Inequality. <laughs> Oh man, well, that's really tough. Because, um, you know, like, I feel like some would argue that inequality is still winning in some areas. Yeah, it's like, um, how do you pick a winner in that? <laughs> just... It's, yeah, that is. Oh, jeez, what a. Uh, that's We're going to have to get out, like, the abacus for that one. Yeah. To figure out what the, what the verdict would be. Also, oh, eventually we'll have to just watch something from WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I might have to. I have a. I have a really good friend from high school who is super into all the wrestling stuff. I might have to give him a ring. Oh yeah, it's really eventual best fight. Which yeah, I I feel that's one of the ones we get to sooner rather than later. But yeah, we'll see. Uh-huh. It's, it's yeah. a lot of stuff to do, and we still got a couple years of best kiss left. So for best kiss. Which was presented this year. It's, it's, it's funny because now I realize there was a time where, I don't know, the presenters used to be where you're like, oh, what's this combination? And now it just seems to be people who who are in, like, a movie or TV show together. Like, oh yeah, this year, Best Kiss was presented by Kiernan Shipka, Ross Lynch, and Gavin Leverwood, the, the cast members from The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, this one I actually did kind of watch the ceremony, but for this one, and there's a there's a good bit because 
those are kind of the two boys that Kieran and Shipka is in a love triangle with in the show and like the early ones. So they're like, okay, you, so you've kissed both of us. Who's the better kisser? And then like, I forget which one she picks, but she definitely like picks one, but then does it in a way where like you think she's going to go for the other guy. Like it's, <laughs> there's a lot of bait and switch. Yeah. It's really good. I know. <laughs> um, but for best kiss. So, if you want to get into it, for 2019, the nominees are Jason Momoa and Amber Heard, Aquaman, Charles Melton and Kamala Mendez, Riverdale, Shudi Gatwa and Connor Swindles, Sex Education, Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams, Venom, and the winner, Noah Centineo and Lana Condor, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. So, oh man, um, this was a really this this year I think offered me like two really neat contrasts, um, both between like Aquaman and Venom, and <laughs> to all the boys I've loved in Riverdale, in that um, when it comes to Aquaman and Venom, it's two very different approaches to like superhero movies, where like one is like big CGI like big epic quest and then one is like very like grounded um like your main character like looks like a slob um it is a slob for most of the movie um and then the contrast between to all the boys i've loved in riverdale and like how does one create you know like teen conflict um do you have like a love triangle and like secrets revealed or do you have like your main character get like mauled by a bear um <laughs> like two very different approaches <laughs> to like these different things that i think both kind of work in their own little way <laughs> yeah yeah to, to all the boys i love before i think is like uh, uh it's definitely one of the more it was one of the more heralded or at least popular of kind of the wave of netflix teen rom-coms and i think it's like really good and lovely like it's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I really, I think it, man, um, I'm trying to think. It's not really fair to, like, TV shows, but, like, um, I really, I've really been missing, like, a really good, just sort of cute, like, uh, like, teen love story. And, like, I really liked Love, Simon, but, like, one of the problems with that is that, like, the two main, like, the two kiss recipients, like, don't get to talk to each other for a majority of the movie. Um, whereas this one was, like, really, really sweet. I also, like, I'm huge, I got a huge bias here. Um, I feel like I've stated this before, because I feel like we've had movies like this before, but I absolutely adore, like, the, like, pretending to, like, be in a relationship to actual lovers trope. Um, I don't, like, I really enjoy that, and I don't, I don't know if it's because I sort of viscerally hate the opposite, (laughs) I hate, like, two people that don't like each other pretending to be, like, in love with each other, and then nothing happens. I don't know. But I, I do find the, the inverse very, very sweet. Oh, yeah. This is, like, a good good thing. Like, I, I had... It's funny because... Well, I mean, it's been a while since I had seen, seen this movie and had kind of forgotten how much of it is just their, like, fake relationship. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's, like, the letters and then... I nearly got together, and it's something where, like, it's, it's funny, because, like, 
I, I've, I definitely talked about this, like, a couple yeah, years, years ago, and with, like, e, when Evie was on, how in, to all the boys, like, or boys to P.S. I Still Love You, which is the sequel to this film, suddenly Peter Kavinsky was just, like, really boring, and I, like, hated him, and then the third movie, like, they really, like, bring him back, and I lo- loved him, and I'm like, wait, how is he in the first film? I'm like, oh yeah, he's, like, charming in this, like, it's... Yeah. <laughs> No, and it's like, I don't know. Um, like, and, and again, like well, like most movies, like I read the names, but like I don't know who they are. Um, so like it was honestly up in the air for me. At least like till a good like good chunk through the movie before I realized, oh, like he she's like going to be like with Peter. Like I thought it was going to be like a bait and switch and she was going to be with Josh. But like Josh is barely in the movie at all, which is like not at all what it sets up, which is really nice. Yeah, it kind of sets up, but they'll be doing a, doing a thing where like, she'll maybe get closer to Josh while she's, fake dating Peter. But, yeah, I, I like that it's like, really this thing where, Josh is just kind of off in the background more of the time, and it's more about her bond bonding with Peter and, hanging out with her younger sister Kitty who. Is getting a spin-off show at some point, I think, this year. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Something I... Another thing I like in this, or that I had forgot about, is... There's that girl, Jen, who was a character who was on... Actually did recur on Riverdale for a time. Um, oh, In, like, the second, yeah. second season, playing the role of Midge, who I don't think you ever saw, but... Basically, it's this Peter's ex-girlfriend. Like, if you've never seen... To all the boys we've loved before, the pr- the premise is it's about this girl Laura Jean, who her older sister is kind of going off off to college and breaks up with her boyfriend, who Laura Jean has had like a crush on years ago, and they were good good friends. So as she's kind of dealing with these feelings, like it's revealed that she had one. That whenever she has big feelings for, like, a, a boy, she writes them a letter. And there are, like, five letters, and she's never sent them. But then, suddenly, the letters are mysteriously sent out, including to her sister's ex-boyfriend. And to kind of uh, throw him off the trail, as it were, she winds up getting into a fake romantic relationship with another of the letter recipients, this Peter Kavinsky who is trying to, like, get back with his ex-girlfriend, who is kind of a jerk, but then, when you get her backstory, and, like, she's, like, an ex-friend of Laura Jean, and they had some falling out, and then when you find out why, you're like, oh, yeah, no, she really just is, like, kind of a jerk. Like, it's... (laughs) (laughs) Who who kind of makes revenge porn of them? Like, it's... It's yeah, about oh my god. Don't really yeah, explore so... the implications of because she's like, <laughs> You kiss him during that spin the bottle game. She's like, What? She's like, that was years ago, you psycho. Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, definitely. Though so I think my character does get a bit better in like the later movies and they kind of reconcile a little bit, but yeah, it is fu- funny because you're used to these films where you're like, oh yeah, then I'll reveal that this person is like a jerk's gonna have a point, and then like, she makes her case, and it's kind of like that guy in the, in, what's his name, in like Love Simon, where you're like, oh yeah, no, 
this is just kind of like an asshole who's a little insecure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's not like a, which like I don't know. I could appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's it's not. Sometimes it's nice to like acknowledge that like sometimes people are just assholes, and there isn't this like great overarching justification for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like. No, this movie was just, like, really, really, like, it was really, like, slow and sweet. And, like, I feel like like I have just not, it's been so long since I've just gotten, like, a nice thing like that. Um, And, like, man, and, like, in something, I brought it up earlier, in that, like, I really enjoy when, like, a movie can, like, get me, like, stressed out about something really stupid. um, Because I'm just so involved with it. Um... Like, like the, like the amount of, like, drama, like, um, that sort of ensues when she, like, starts up this fake relationship is just, like, it's so much, I'm so much more, like, stressed out and, like, worried about their relationship than I would be if, like, let's say that there was, like, a gang called the Gargoyle Kings, um, (laughs) that were, like, creating mischief in a town, why like, would you come up with that scenario? <laughs> doing something like wow, that sounds so silly. <laughs> that sounds like such a silly thing that would that would narratively like can like force you to say gargoyle king several times in a scene. <laughs> no, but I, I I really like those moments where I sort of catch myself like really invested in something that's like it's really silly and like the stakes are like they feel so high but they it truly are so low. Um, it's because they're, like, a little more realistic, which is, like, really nice. That, like, something I feel like has, we've sort of gotten away from, from these movies a little bit. They're in sort of, like, the mid-2010s, where I think we got probably our highest concentration of, like, sort of teen dramedies. Yeah. Or at least, like, romantic comedies as well. That sort of, like, hit this, hit this specific thing. Yeah. The, ro- the romantic comedy, it's an interesting case where, um... The genre is, like, kind of no longer at the level of power it once had in the two, 2000s, but what's kind of happened is, or at least, like, it's no longer at the level of its power for theatrical, but what kind of happened was Netflix and other streaming services, but particularly Netflix, realized, oh, we can just make a bunch of these, and they're, like, easy, and they don't have to be that good, though... There are, like, a number of good ones, like this film, Always Be My Maybe, I'm trying to re- remember. There's been a few Netflix rom-coms I really in- enjoy, and and specifically, like, it's kind of led to the resurgence of also the sort of teen rom-com, which I feel you don't see as much in the 2000s as you did in kind of that little 90s heyday of She's All That and 10 Things I Hate About You and all that jazz, um. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, like very like like family TV original that I really appreciate. Yeah, the kiss in this movie. There's a couple kisses in this movie. Um, there's like the initial kiss um, that uh, uh, Lana Lana Condor's character like does to sort of like throw Josh off her trail. Yeah. Um, that's a funny bit too, because she's like, because pa- yeah. she's passed out out of like panic, or like she tri- trips or something, and then he was waking up, and she just kind of like kisses him, and he's like, ah, like, and then just runs off, like it's, 
Ugh. Yeah, no. Um, and then I, there, I think there's one like in between this and like the hot tub kiss. Um, it's just like really, really cute. Yeah, because like, yeah, oh, sorry, isn't isn't there like a point before like the big hot t- tub one where like they are kind of kind of inching towards? Well, let's just do this for real, or like it's. Yeah, I think so. I think there's like an almost moment like that. Um, yeah, and like. Oh man, like, uh, like again, like the moment where like all like the big confusion comes in, and I'm I'm screaming at the screen, just like let him explain, please, and like I haven't done that in so long. Like, it's just, it's such a, I I do miss it a lot. These sort of like simple teen like teen drama comedy things. Like I really do miss them. Yeah. Um, that was a bit where I'm yeah. like, oh, right, there is a little bit of contrivance here, and that, like, it's really should, like, hear him out, though. I guess maybe that's relatable to the world of teen dramas, but considering that, like, so much of this film just feels, like, organically laid laid out, like, that, that's where it gets more to where you're like, okay, yeah, it's one of these films where there has to be the misunderstanding. Yeah, it doesn't last super long, and, like, she eventually, like, does hear him out. Um, and like, I, like, it's, 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 I'm trying to think, it's definitely, I think it's worse. It it feels worse when like another character has to explain what happened. Um, like, cause it's just like, I don't know. I think it's, it's much, um, this probably would be, it's better for like a TV show because like you can sort of build off this character development, but like having a character sort of explain what, what, what goes wrong like you can build a lot of trust between two characters when you do that um when like everything can kind of be explained pretty neatly like oh i was just going up to that girl's room to like tell her that it's over um yeah stuff like that also she was really quick to just go go with the word of someone she knows hates her like yeah yeah no and like i guess that kind of does make sense because it kind of plays into like the insecurity of the character Mm-hmm. Um, and like that, like, yeah. And like the fact that like, they are, they are technically in like a somewhat fake relationship. And like the goal was for like, um, for like the, I can't, what's the name of like the mean uh, girl Jen. or, or, oh, the main girl, Laura Jean. Oh no, no, sorry. The, the, the mean girl. Oh, Jen. Sorry. Jen. Jen yeah. 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 Like the, their goal was to get Jen. So like, it's. It's. I feel like the 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 breakup contrivancy is sort of. I feel like overwritten by their like contrived relationship a little bit, um, where like one sort of cancels out the other. Because like it does kind of make sense if like their whole goal was to get them back together for her to like suspect that like oh they maybe they got back together, um, you know like. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is kind of like. Um, and then she's also like, she's also like, yeah, like had like that video of her, them making out like posted on the internet and like people are like spreading rumors. So, like, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like weird tension going around. Yeah, that part of it I I like more as a bit. And yeah, that gets to what I believe is yeah the the kiss we're judging according to the clips MTV shows. So. Uh, it did occur to me where um, I was like, oh yeah, we all look for the clips, but the people voting don't know why they're voting on. They're just like, oh yeah, that was a good kiss there. Like, 
I don't think <laughs> they show pictures, but yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, maybe we could have just gone with one of the better Fifty Shades of Grey kisses. That's what I think. <laughs> Listen, we we are not only judging these movies; we are also judging the MTV's uh, decision making. Um, yeah. And the hot tub kiss is like really good. Um, yeah, no, it's a really, really good kiss. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's it's one of their... It's like their first, like, sort of real kiss. And it comes after, like, a really sweet scene. It's probably, like, the second, like, sweetest scene in the movie. Um, I think number one for me has to go when, like, she's, like, reading all of, like, the letters that he wrote her. Um, like, the, they were, like... Because, like, that was, they, they, this is the second movie on this list um, where two of the KISS recipients, like, sat down and wrote a contract about what they were doing. Um, the other one being Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, <laughs> which is a bit of, it's a bit of a strange tether between those these two movies. It's kind of the only one. Um, but, like, one of the stipulations in their, like, sort of fake relationship contract is that, like, um, because they couldn't, she didn't want to be, like, kissing him constantly in public. Just because, like, it's a fake relationship, and, like, she wants... When she kisses someone, she wants it to be, like, real. Um, so, like, one of, like, the... Th- one of, like, the things they decide upon is that um, Peter is going to write her a bunch of notes. Um, and throughout the movie, she's just, like, not reading them. Because uh, she's like, oh, these are just, like... These are just, like, to add... Add a layer of authenticity to, like, their big lie. Um, but right at the end of the movie... Um, I think her sister, her like little sister, like brings her all the notes and she's like reading them and they're all like, they're all just like really sweet and that's sort of like the um that's sort of like the turning point she needs, like right before the end of the movie when they have really like their big final kiss when he's like cleaning the lacrosse fields. Yeah, yeah. Well the letter stuff is good and yeah, I like all the kind of contract stuff as well and it's yeah. And then yeah, I'll say the hot tub kiss is, like, really sweet, and I think the film's also good. Like, that whole sequence that becomes a source of tension afterwards, where it turns out Jen has kind of filmed it and put it online, and everything thinks they, and everyone thinks they had sex, and it it's, like, a really good, good kind of complication, and the sort of double standard where, you know, Peter seemed like a hero, and everyone's kind of making fun of her, like, oh, and the... And yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And they set up, like, the ski trip as being the place where it, exactly where this kind of thing happens. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's just, like, it's so... Yeah, like, oh, man, I... Oh, this is... Oh, man, that's why I love, like, pretenders to lovers. Like, it's so... Ah, oh, it's just so... It's so satisfying. And it's, like... Uh, it's, it, I feel like it, it weirdly enough... I don't know why this is, but whenever it does happen, I always feel like the relationship is always so much more stronger. Like, I feel like I can name, like, a couple movies on this list where, like, two characters are, like, supposed to be in love, but they have, like, less scenes of them just talking together or just, like, having a laugh about something or, like, bonding in any way. Um, Whereas, like, this movie has, like, a ton of that. And it's, like, such a slow, it's slow burn. I really, really enjoy that about it. And, like, it takes place over, like, the course of, like, three or four months. Yeah, and there's some nice family friends, too, with her sisters and, like, the kind of dynamics and, like, her not really reaching out to her old, older sister because she's not sure how to, like, t- tell her any of this. And her younger sister winds up being the one who sent the letters, which 
this is based on books, and apparently in the books it's, like, a bit more malicious, like, she was doing, doing it because she was embarrassed or, like, wanted to embarrass her or something, and here it's just, like, she's like, I thought you needed a boyfriend, so I sent out all your letters, and it's, it's like, <laughs> it's a funny, really, like, button. Yeah, yeah, and, like, oh, like, this is, like, a, um, oh, man, this is, like, a really, I can't remember where I've heard this, but, like, like, a really important thing when, like, you're writing, like, a happy relationship between two people. Um, and this is, like, really hard. And that's why, like, most TV dramas, like, opt for, like, a, like, a will-they-won't-they or, like, two characters in constant turmoil um, when it comes to, like, the main romantic conflict. Is that, like, you essentially need to write, like, two fully fleshed-out characters that are, like, that make each other better. Which is, like, really, really hard. But I think this movie does, like, a really good job of it. Even if, like, the dad sort of has to, like, state that. Um, but I feel like even if the dad, like, didn't, like, I feel like there was, like, enough, like, she's, like, talking more. She's, like, has more friends. She's, like, a little more open. And, like, this relationship is, like, making them, like, both better. And, like, they're both happier for it. Yeah, I definitely agree there. And I think that's something, too, that the second movie kind of loses a bit. Because suddenly he's just sort of the boyfriend. And then the third movie's good at going, well, why is this, like, a good relationship? How... How is he good at, like, supporting her in certain certain moments? Uh, one last thing I had to add is this film also ends on kind of a sequel hook mid-credit sequence where... Um, so she sends out this letter, these letters, and one of them is to this Josh guy. The one is to this guy who turns out to be gay. And, like... He's like, what? You knew that. And then she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, I, I didn't know this at all. Um, One is to, like, Peter. One is to this kid at camp that doesn't get there because, like, she had his address to his bunk or whatever. And then the other is to this mysterious Jordan Ambrose who shows up uh, at the door at the end. And the, the funny thing is, because then the second movie is all about the arrival of Jordan Ambrose and how he complicates things. But also... Something I completely forgot is not only do they recast Jordan Ambrose with, like, or John Ambrose with the actor kind of Jordan Fisher instead of, like, whoever is playing him for a couple seconds at the end of the, this film when he shows up, but they, but, like, the actor who's playing him in this fil film, um, Jordan, Jordan Burchett, oh yeah, they switched out Jordans is a very white guy. And Jordan Fisher is, like, black. So it's... So I completely forgot that, like, they full-on just changed the race of John Ambrose in between movies. Like, it's... <laughs> oh, that's a pretty... That's a pretty neat little detail. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, like, they made a good choice. Jordan Fisher's really good and charismatic, mm -hmm. which is partly why I also got annoyed at Peter in the second film it's also like man imagine being this guy who's like oh cool maybe i gotta be in, a, in one of these and they're like oh no we're going another way it's just like <laughs> yeah no um no it was just like a really really nice sweet movie to sort of cap her off like a pretty a pretty decent week um like i i i really this this one is probably i think next week is all tv shows if i'm not mistaken yes um so like it was kind of nice to have like one more year where movies are the majority um, before a complete uh, a complete something dive uh, whether it's up or down into into just five hopefully 
um, episodic enough uh, to be entertaining uh, TV shows. Yeah. Um, that being said, the two TV shows in this week were like really entertaining. Um, like I had a good time with both of them, despite like not having much context for very different reasons, honestly. That would be a good segue if we were talking about either of them next. If instead we're going to Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So Aquaman. We have uh, our first. You know, breaking the glass ceiling. We have our first problematic woman as a nominee. Um, Amber Heard. Yeah. Uh, Look. Listen. We we've talked about all of the male ones. You know. Like we're we we're not gonna abstain, um, yeah. But we we have to acknowledge it though, or else we would be truly the most sexist of all. Um. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's. I am very like mixed on that situation, and I think my uh, from everything I read in kind of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard sort of ongoing drama based on. The time where some, uh, yeah, knowledgeable friends of mine, or, well, not knowledgeable, but, like, well, I mean, they are knowledgeable, but well-meaning, like, not just, oh, we're Johnny Depp stands, super whatever, we're posting some stuff after the initial court ruling last year, and I read through over a hundred pages of it, so I'll say I think both of them were fairly toxic to each other. and both of them probably did stuff. No one is completely innocent in that situation, is... What I want to lay out is my personal stance here based on all the evidence that's been put forward. So, you know, it's just just saying, like, ever heard? Yeah, probably, like, yeah, problematic. But Johnny Depp, also probably problematic. Yeah, exactly. I think we can both agree, though. Jason Momoa, I don't think has done anything wrong. Um Watch something come out right before this episode comes out. <laughs> Jason Momoa rips baby in half over knee <laughs> after after feeling empowered by two podcasters' encouragement. Yeah, just uh, no. Jason yeah. Momoa seems cool. It's, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I think we've talked about it a little bit in the past episodes, but like me and you. And a couple of our other friends watched this movie, uh, I think, on your birthday a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, this was, I, this was, this is such a fun movie. I think this is like, you know, I feel like this was sort of, was this, I think this was one of like the first like good, like non-Batman DC ones. Um, where they sort of just decided that they should probably just take a little more cues from like Marvel's book and just sort of have just like a, a fun popcorn superhero movie. I mean, um, I, I'd argue like, well, Mar- Marvel's book is more like stuff that the guy I've gone into trouble by trying to do a lot of making it too interconnected and things. But where this one, I think, yeah, it, I'll say it's more visually appealing than most Mar- Marvel stuff, but yeah. They they definitely try to have a good focus here on making it like fun in a nice way. Um, yeah, I would say uh, visually, I think, um, uh, uh, man, um, yeah, I think a really good example 
of like. Oh yeah, Wonder the... Woman had come out before this. Oh, okay, was... yeah, I, I may have just got my timeline wrong. I yeah. think I just got my timeline wrong on and, that one. Yeah, and I'll say I I think Man of Steel is pretty good, and Batman versus Superman. I've come around on the ultimate cut of it, which adds like half an hour, and turns out the stuff that was cut out was most of like the emotional like character building stuff that makes it better. Um. Mm-hmm. Original Suicide Squad, I will never come around on. And... <laughs> Wait, you don't like you don't like Slipknot and Captain Boomerang and. <laughs> I mean, I told the story. It was a movie that was tolerable for me because my alternative was like moderating a fight. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then... just and Justice League. Hey, watch the Zack Snyder version. It's four hours <laughs> long and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe one of these days, but. Yeah, like a really good example of like this movie. Like I watching it, I can I think it's very similar to Ready Player One, and like honestly, it's just it's I feel like the only major because they're both very blue, but like this one is like a very like vibrant like um like super bloom kind of blue, whereas like Ready Player One is a very dingy sort of like mucky blue, um and like yeah, I like I don't know why like live action movies are so scared to like have color in them like a multitude of color like it's a small thing but like to skip a little bit ahead um during like the big kiss there's like a bunch of like explosions going on in the background that sort of kind of look like fireworks but like they're all like these different vibrant colors that just like it just creates such a really great it creates a really great scene honestly that like i feel like I feel like even Marvel sometimes falls into this trap like quite a bit, and that like a lot of their big fights just aren't very colorful. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I really like Guardians of the Galaxy too. Yeah, Marvel is definitely a big prognicator of this really unfortunate trend where a lot of modern films are all like washed out and grayish all the time, and it's yeah, yeah. It's it's just like it's really it's really weird. Um, I saw like I remember the live action cowboy bebop that everyone loved um that came out i remember there was like a really good there's a really good like example of this where like you, they put like two scenes side by side and it's like it's this big ship like landing in water and in like the in like the anime like the water is like a vibrant blue it's like it looks so beautiful and then in the live action one it's just this brown mud that like it's just, not even like mud texture it's just brown water and it just looks so much more gross and bad, and like it just—it looks like a horrible scene compared to like the vibrant colors. Yeah, um, yeah. Put more colors in movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like this is like a like a smaller. This is like a smaller thing, but like it can definitely affect that. Like, I really liked um, the sort of I really liked uh, Peacemaker's like goofy outfit in the new in the Suicide Squad. Um, like, I feel like, yeah, even, like, you want to make your characters, like, really, like, you want to make them pop. And, like, Marvel is horrible at that. That is probably the thing they're the worst at. Um, I almost didn't watch Doctor Strange um, until I saw a poster. Until I think I saw the poster for Infinity War where he had his, his big, dumb, goofy yellow gloves. And it was only, like, with the promise of that. Or maybe it was, it might have been Ragnarok I saw that. Um, but that's, like... Oh, Marvel has a horrible problem with their like making their characters like have such drab, awful colors or awful designs. Yeah, again, except for like with the with the rare exceptions like Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. two. Oh yeah, but... yeah, Guardians, yeah, Guardians are like kind of in their own little layer. And then like um, 
uh ragnarok as well like ragnarok had some like really like it's it, like um had some yeah there's some really solid nice designs stuff. in ragnarok okay. yeah exactly his little yeah, gladiator like, look it's... yeah yeah exactly but like I'm trying to think yeah <laughs> I don't so know. So Aquaman is about yeah. a man <laughs> who fights uh, his arch nemesis Firewoman. Um <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's one of the couple yeah, the relevant things from the time we saw together on my birthday was a Ben told our friend Leanna that who does not who did at the time she knows a bit more about pop culture things than she did at the time. Um, but, well, even then she was, like, better than in, like, 2015 or whatever. But definitely was like, wait, so who who's Aquaman's foe? And Ben's just like, Firewoman. And then I feel she went up to me and asked me, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> but then, there, sure enough, there is a big fiery creature voiced by Julie Andrews that popped up. <laughs> and then yeah. I think I leaned over to you, Ben, and I was like, Firewoman! Like <laughs> there she is. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, wait, oh man. Like The other important piece of context is Aquaman is a film, for whatever reason, I have never seen this film sober. I'm, I'm always like a... Like, <laughs> a the first time buzz. I watched it was my birthday after a thing at, at the bar. Uh, the next time I watched it, I was definitely had a couple glasses of Chardonnay in me. It's just like a good film where I watch where I'm kind of tipsy. I'm like, yeah, 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 this is so great. Um, I'm sure I'd like it just as much sober, but see, it's a very fun movie to watch when you've had a couple glasses of wine in you. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, um, yeah. Someone who watched this movie sober, um, I think this movie's like really fun. I feel like it does have a bit of a problem, like thematically fitting enough i feel like this movie's quality comes in like waves um where it'll like the beginning is really good i love the beginning so much like with like their parents um and then it sort of like dips for a little bit um and then i can't remember exactly when but it picks back up again um and then it sort of dips and then it and then it sort of picked back up again like especially like this movie this movie has like peaks and valleys um and like I, I remember, but I going away. I rem, I remember loving the peaks much more than I hate like dis, or much more than I remember disliking the valleys, like the beginning, um, everything to do with the manta. I wish he was in this way more. Like I, I feel, I feel so robbed because he's such a, he's his introduction's great, um, his design is is pretty pretty good, um, yeah. And then other peaks in this movie are like. The um, what is it called? What are they called? Uh, like the the monster guys. Um, they have the like trench a, creatures. The tr- yeah, the, I think they're just. I think they actually just called like the trenched or something like that. Um, I feel like I have it in my notes. Oh yeah, they just they're, they're called the trench. Like that's like their name. Like they're they're plural. Um, like that stuff is very cool. Um, I wish we got to see more of the crab people. There's like a crab people that we. We don't get to spend barely any time with. Um, and they all seem really neat. Um, yeah, like, man, like, I feel like this is like, this is like, I feel like when people often talk about um, the damage that Marvel has done to cinema, um, I feel like, I feel like this was, this wasn't even like a problem. This was a problem even before the official MCU, because this is a problem that like 
Spider-Man 3 had, um, where, like, you just tried to do way too much. Um, and, like, Aquaman, I think, suffers from, like, it tries to have, like, this sort of, like, royal family, like, like, uh, sea, inter, inter-sea play politicking. Um, and then also, like, a few, like, crumbs of, like, the Manta, where, like, I care very little about, like, the, like, the Atlantis politics, and, like, I thought Manta was super cool. <laughs> so, like, this movie focused on, like, the polar opposite of the thing I enjoyed. Um, and it's mainly because, like, because of, like, the post credit scene, it's probably because they were setting up Manta to be for this sequel that I, I don't know if we're ever going to get. Or if we do, I don't it's think it's It's in production be. right now. It is? I didn't know Yeah. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. It's... Okay. Better have Manta in it. Because, um, like, I remember... Ah, oh, because I remember I was, like, watching it. Because, like, I forgot he was in it. I just completely forgot he was in it until, like, the, that first scene where um, Aquaman's, like, uh, like, saving that, like, submarine. Yeah, it's coming out December 16th. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Never mind then. I'll see it in, like, a, in, like, a year. Um, Coming in for my birthday again. Hey, I'm down and, for that. And yeah, Yaya will be back as Black Manta. Okay, you know what? Then that's that's good. I was I was worried because I, I usually I can I don't I never heard anything about it, um, but like yeah, I hope that sort of uh, gets like fleshed out a lot more because like there's also like Randall Park is also in this movie for like two scenes and he's sort of like this um. This sort of, like, conspiracy newscaster that's like, Atlantis is real, like, that's, like, what all these waves are happening because of, like, we even have Atlantean, Aquaman, like, this is all real, and people are like, ah, you're crazy. He's he's coming back, too. Yeah. Uh, I'll say, I get what you're saying about this film, like, having so much going on, but, I don't know, I... I just like this film a lot. Like, it, it's overstuffed, but much like Spider-Man 3, it, it's overstuffed in all the ways I like. Like, there's an yeah. octopus playing the drums. <laughs> um, I think yeah. another podcast I listened to when talking about this movie said it was kind of like the script was written by, if you gave it to a bunch of Atlanteans who were, like, on coke, and they just filled the movie with, like, just all this weird, like, Atlantean lore that does not need to be there. Like, it's... <laughs> Yeah, and like I guess my yeah my I I enjoy this movie like quite a lot. I just um I feel like it, I wish it would focus a little bit more. Um, but I do agree with you in that like this movie is broken in all every way. This movie is broken. Almost all of those make it more entertaining. Um, yeah. Like the, the fact that the person playing like the teenage version of, version of Aquaman like can't deliver a line to save his life um, is hilarious. <laughs> Um, like, all of, like, the Willem Dafoe... Oh, yeah, I'm gonna find his name. Because, like, God bless him, like, I, I assume... Willem probably... Dafoe is so good. Yeah, Willem Dafoe just, like, he's always... I don't know why, but he is just always given his best. Like, 100%. Um, ah, oh, damn, where the... Where is... I want to find the name of, like, the actor that plays him when he's, like, a teenager. Because, like... He's just, the kid, the guy can't act. Or maybe, you know what, maybe he's a young guy and he was given really bad direction. Um, either way, I, I'm going to, in editing, I'll say his name right here because I actually can't find it at the moment. But um, but even then, like, the way that, that it's like, it's bad in the ex- exact way, it, like, it's entertaining. Because um, I really do love all that. Um 
but like, and I wish like, yeah, I just wish this movie just had a little more, a little more focus uh, in that regard. Because I feel like it could have, it could have like made me care a little more about like the all of the like Atlantean lore. Um, yeah. Uh, also, I, I, we, I think we. Oh, sorry. I'll, my last thing. Um, uh, I think uh, I remember. I think we made note of it while we watched the movie our first time as well. And I made note of it literally this time. Uh, is that there are four distinct scenes where like characters are having like a tender moment and then an explosion happens behind them. Um, it happens in like the first scene with like the aqua parents. Um, it happens during like the like the the water meeting in like that abandoned ship. Um, it happens like with a meeting with Willem Dafoe, and it happens when they like almost kiss um, in Italy. <laughs> yeah, it's. You know, uh, it's... nothing goes about together better than kisses and explosions, or tenderness and explosions. <laughs> exactly. And, like, it's, it's I guess, the rules of four, I guess. The unwritten rules of four. Oh, wow. I'm looking now, and it turns out that the younger version of Arthur Curry, or Aquaman, is played by, like, um, at least six different people? There's an uncredited infant... A pair of twins for a toddler version, a nine-year-old version, a thirteen-year-old version, and a sixteen-year-old version. Feels like you could have. Oh wait, what? Cut I don't. Down a bit. I feel like I only remember like I guess when he's a baby, but I think that baby did fine. Um, there's like him at like the uh, at like the aquarium. That's okay. I is it two different actors when he's like hanging out with Willem Dafoe, like doing the? Is that two different people? It seems like it. It's... That's so weird. Huh. Either way, like whichever one, they both they both did an entertaining job. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say my thing for this film is I don't think Amber Heard is that great in it. Like you know, problematic yeah. aside, like it's like she yeah. and yeah, I don't think she and Mamola have that much chemistry going no, on. No, like the the best the kiss thing... is cool, but like yeah, it's... the kiss is visually cool, but like there's like it honestly like if. If you spent this, if you spent any portion of this movie, like if you kind of look down at your phone sometimes, like it's gonna feel like out of left field because like n- this, their romance is not the movie's focus. Like, yeah. like. Um, Meanwhile, Tamara Morrison and Nicole Kidman as his parents get like two free scenes together, and there's and way more feeling and weight love. to it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like that's amazing. Like their ending scene, like. What a strong opener and finisher. Like, it's amazing. Um, yeah. Um, no, but uh, to, to Amber Heard's credit, she did jump out of a plane, and that was a pretty funny a funny bit. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't have much else to say. I think the Pinocchio bit was good. Um, I think when Manta's father says... You need to live so you can kill that son of a bitch. That's really good. Um, oh, have you seen Have you seen How to Train Your Dragon 2? Yes. This movie has... Spoilers. This movie has the exact same twist as that movie. To, like, down to the point of, like, the, both the main characters' moms are, like, wearing, like, a similar kind of armor, too. Did you, did you notice that? 
I mean, I haven't seen How to Train Your Dragon 2 in a long time, but thinking but, about it, yeah, you are correct. Yeah, they're both wearing, like, the spike shoulder bone. They're both, like, in, like, a area surrounded by, like, those, like, kind of, like, monsters. Like, it's, it's, it's really it's funny. Just, it's a weird detail. Like, it, it's, it can't be a coincidence. Like, that's, it has to be subconscious, like, whoever was making this movie. Because, like, the image, like, it almost looks the exact same, just, like, what they're wearing. Um, Gotta go to yeah. the bottom of this. <laughs> exactly. Figure out, you know, who's, who's been, who is binging some How to Train Your Dragon before Aquaman. Uh, yeah. No, um. There is a Reddit for Red when I, sorry, I did, I did like, a search that said Aqua and the top results is Aquaman versus How to Train Your Dragon 2. So some, yeah, so some people have definitely yeah. noticed this. <laughs> Thank you, Reddit. Reddit is also the place where, like, um, <laughs> where, like, I don't know if I told this on the podcast before, but um, me and my friends are watching Goodfellas, and then, like, a character shows up for, like, two seconds, and I'm like, is that, is that, like, is that Jigsaw from, like, the Saw movies? And then I go to Google, and, like, the top result is, like, a Reddit post where it's, like, um, I was, it's like Tobin Bell is in Scarface <laughs> for like two seconds. Goodfellas. Like, does it, oh, sorry. Yeah. Goodfellas. Maybe. Um, uh, yeah. And that's, that's Reddit detectives, you know, or they're thorough. Yeah. And it's good when they use their powers for good and not for doxing people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you... <laughs> Uh, it's there's been um, uh, spoilers for um, Far From Home, but I, I do like those like funny memes where it's like normal Spider-Man villains are like, I'm gonna like I'm going to like I've gone insane like I want to turn people into lizards, um, like I want to like create like an infinite source of energy, and then it's like Mysterio doxes a tox is a miner. That's <laughs> <laughs> really good. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Uh, so, um, with that, I think we can move on to Riverdale. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. They they say the Gargoyle King so much. Um, yeah. Well, that was the well, big part of the arc for that season. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's... I don't... I don't... So, like, this episode, from I've never seen anything surrounding it, but this episode seems to be split into, like, a couple parts, um, where it has, like, Archie in, like, a cabin hallucinating, um, and after getting attacked by a bear, that happens, um, you don't get to see it, but there's a scene where, like, he's, he's attacked by something mysterious, um, which, like, I don't know about you, but I thought he was, like, getting attacked by something supernatural, not, like, a real bear, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a bear. Yeah. Um, and then the other half of the episode is, like, Jughead having, like, gang trouble. Um, and then there's, like, these children that are, like... The, all of that was confusing. Everything with the children was really confusing that I just didn't... I didn't understand. <laughs> um, and then probably a fourth thing I'm forgetting... Um, yeah, I'll, a lot I'll, happens. <laughs> I'll try and like 
kind of sum up what's been going on, because, yeah, unlike the last Riverdale episode, which was the season premiere, and had was pretty easy to keep track of, this was a mid-season premiere, so there's been about eight episodes of plot uh, leading up to this one. So, kind of in Riverdale season three, or, well, at the end of Riverdale season two, uh, Archie, Archie who has been kind of working for Hiram Lodge, and then decides, no, yeah, he's a bad dude, but he's going to start working against him, and he does some kind of threat, some kind of something. I, I forget what, but it leads to Hiram to, like, frame him for the, for the murder of this, like, one-off character from a previous episode who had been killed by, like, one of Hiram's men, so... Or, yeah, so the season kind of, at the beginning of the season, Archie is sent into prison, and he spends a c- couple episodes in there. It's, it's, I don't even think it's the prison that Hiram's been building for, like, years. It's, like, a different one, but basically the warden is corrupt and working with Hiram, and a lot of the action of the season involves this gang, Griffins and Gargoyles which is a take on Dungeons and Dragons, and is specifically a take on the, like, kind of 80s trend of everyone thinking Dungeons and Dragons was satanic. Um, <laughs> so, so they're kind of in the satanic panic where they're they're playing this game, and, like, the, the kids are going in, and some people seem to be dying, and there's, it seems to be connected to something called the Gargoyle King. Meanwhile, Hiram's, like, running drugs. It I feel there's like multiple gargoyle kings and multiple f- things o- over there, but at a certain point, Hiram is kind of just co-opting gargoyle imagery, and he has a gang getting his supply of fizzle rocks, which is a drug in the Riverdale universe out there. Um, I'm realizing this already sounds like nonsense, where I'm like, oh yeah, here's my succinct explanation, but the third season of Riverdale really goes kind of off the rails, um, and then, oh, but, but, like, multiple people, because of stuff they drew in Griffins and Gargoyles, like, either they jump out windows, or they take cyanide tablets, like, it gets really intense, and then there's some stuff where Hiram has somehow been causing, like, kind of high school some of the high school female characters to have seizures, which he uses as an excuse to get Riverdale put into lockdown, because he's maybe the mayor at this point. Yeah. I think he's the also, mayor at this point. Really cool question. Why do they? Why do some people refer to Riverdale as the uh, Riverdale spelled backwards? Um. Well, that was oh, well, that, well, that was in Archie's like kind of fantasy coma thing. I could have sworn there were like characters outside of his fantasy saying that. It was, this episode is like the most confusing. I I feel like, I feel like by the end of this, I want to plot all of the TV ones on like a graph of like, of like how much I understood going in or like how much I understood by the end of it. Um, Yeah. Like I think we watched this one together too. Yeah, we did, and like I, oh my gosh, like the recap at the beginning, it seemed fake. It seemed like it would be like the beginning of like a like a YouTube parody 
um, like the recap they were giving, it, like it's, it's, like, it just it seemed. It was it was felt like parody turned real life. Like it was crazy the amount of stuff that I'd missed in between like the two episodes. Yeah, it's it's crazy crazy. And again, like the town is coming off of quarantine. It's been a month. People are running around taking stuff. Yeah, Jughead's in charge of the gang. Um to go to the kids, there's it's something where uh as part of the investigation or well, Be- Betty's family part of the arc this season is her sister has gotten involved with this cult called the Farm, and it's kind of lured her mother also in, also in, and Betty has liberated a bunch of kids from this basically asylum known as the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, which is run by these nuns which we learn in this episode are not real nuns they were like disbarred because of their yeah cru- cruel policies i feel that he gets sent to the sisters for a while or like some people spend time there but basically she has liberated all these people all the sisters of quiet mercy have been imprisoned and these kids are kind of staying at their house and she's trying to like help them because they've all been traumatized and they're terrified of the gargoyle king She's trying to be their griffin queen, but ultimately they see the Gargoyle King out and about and kind of are swooped into the kind of waiting arms of this cult. And then all the nuns who were working with Hiram and doing stuff commit mass suicide at the end of the episode. Um, which is... The hell of a way to yeah. end an episode, end a mid-season, is it a mid-season premiere or mid-season Yeah, it's the mid-season premiere, this oh. is just all the stuff going in. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like a big development, and we were watching it with our friend Matt, who writes the theme song, who'll be on, who loves Archie and has never watched Riverdale because he loves Archie, he's like, what is this? This is like terrible, like, what's going on? Why is Jughead running a gang? Like, it's, God. <laughs> I love Riverdale, and I'm really <laughs> glad we got to talk about, about yeah. this, because, like, I watch him, like, yeah, I, I remember this, and it just, it really goes off the rails so much. Um, just Jug, <laughs> yeah. Jughead's dad, who's kind of helping him run the gang, in, in the episode after this one, he becomes the sheriff, while also being, like, an active gang member. It's... It's really, it's just really good. Um, and oh yeah, I'm trying to think. What do we, what's relevant for this show though is it also is a thing where Archie and Veronica have broken up while he's kind of just been on the lam, and during this period she has gone in close to Reggie. Yeah, after who, after Archie goes on his self-imposed exile, as yeah. all heroes do. Um, Oh right, that's I forgot that's how it starts. <laughs> there's like a line there's a line I think he repeats it a couple times where it's like all heroes must go through their self imposed exile, which no? What does that even mean? It's class part of the hero's journey, don't we know? Um, <laughs> uh. Yeah, and Veronica's arc involves towards the end of the second season I I forgot the specifics, but she learns her dad had secretly purchased Pops, and then she buys Pops from her dad 
So she owns Pops and her big plan is she starts a speakeasy under it. So, like, it's actively a club that's maybe serving liquor to minors. They're unclear about who's buying, like, the alcohol. But it becomes essentially a performance space because Riverdale is like, oh, yeah, this is a good way to get more musical numbers on the show that we can sell singles of. And... Her her plot yeah. involves her her own dad like trying to shake her down for protection money from his own goons. Like it's <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and and Reggie keeps get throwing himself into danger, but then at the end of the episode, having survived, she plants a big kiss on him. Um, yeah, and like I think this kiss, it's pretty good. But, like, it cuts away way too fast. Um, and then it goes into, like, this big, like, kind of montage of, like, everything being set up for, like, assuming, the, like, the next couple episodes this, or the rest of the season. Um, cause, I like, feel the nuns don't come up again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I guess they, they had a good capper on it. But, yeah. Like, or they mention it, but it doesn't last long, and Archie returns to Riverdale in the very next episode, despite seemingly having died at the end of this one. Yeah, like, I would assume they would at least follow up with that, but does he at least does he at least show up with, like, a cane and, like, a bandage on his head or something to know that he's been through a lot? I Yeah, he, he looks injured, and I feel he goes, uh, he makes references to having been attacked by something, but, like, it's... <laughs> Um, yeah. No, like, this kiss is, like, I wish they would have just held on it. I don't know. It just, it, it feels like it cuts away way too fast, and, like, you don't, you don't get the, you don't get the stew in it at all. Yeah, it, yeah, like, it, it's a decent kiss, but also, like, it, Veronica and Reggie is, like, this weird thing where most of, most of the show was like a Veronica and Archie thing, but it's just now kind of in the sixth season that they're kind of looking to explore Veronica and Reggie more as a romantic pairing. Um, so we'll see. Maybe maybe they get a redemption shot, a chance at best mm. kiss. <laughs> oh, fingers crossed. Though in the five episodes that aired at the beginning of this season, the one focusing on their relationship was a story where, like, he had, Reggie had sold Veronica's soul to the devil to ensure the, their success of the casino because he's like, well, I knew you could get out of it. And she does get out of it by just making a deal where she's like, I'll get you a soul a week starting with Reggie's. Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's just, again, I, I say this a lot. I'll say it, keep saying it. Watch Riverdale. It is just high camp insanity <laughs> oh, like, it, I feel we've just, still yeah. missed several things that happened in this episode but yeah this... it a lot happens um yeah <laughs> um but with that I think we can move on to sex education um yeah. um yeah I feel like this is like a good like stark contrast because like I feel like a lot happens in this episode but like I feel like I was able to follow all of it and, like, it was all, like, really, like, compelling. And, like, I really enjoyed all of it. Even though, like, a lot happened. And, like, this was a season finale. So, like, it's a lot of accumulation of stuff. But, like, I I feel like 
I feel like all the information I needed to know was given to me to understand certain character moments, or at least like implied. You know what I mean? Yeah, sex education, and it's a show I've talked about a bit before. Um, it's one of my favorite Netflix shows, but. I was watching that too. I'm like, oh yeah, this is really good at kind of laying out what's been going on. And it it is a show that always has a clear episodic element, which like Netflix doesn't always bother with because they're like, oh yeah, we can just have all these crazy twists and turns. But tip, typically, because the premise of sex education, which you don't get as much in this one, because I think at this point the leads have had a little bit of a falling out though they kind of gets resolved is it's about this kid Otis who his mom is a sex a sex therapist who has no real sense of boundaries with him um in this finale a lot of it is him dealing with the fallout of him realizing that she has been writing a book about him and just but him kind of using this knowledge he's gotten from her to start up a clinic with this girl Mauve, who he, ha- or Maeve, yeah, yeah, Maeve is how you say it. I don't know why I said Mauve, but like, who who he kind of has a crush on. But there's like a little sort of a lot of drama there, and he also has like hangups. I think a lot of his thing in the first season season is he, he has some psychological block that keeps him from masturbating. And the irony is he is giving out all this, like, genuinely, like, good and helpful advice to his students, and he doesn't know how to, like, solve his own issues right up until the very end, where he's finally able to kind of get past this block, but, yeah. But, but kind of, but the idea of, like, the clinic serves as a good, clean structure, where every episode, no matter what else is going on, and even in, like, the third season, where, like, the idea is there's not really a cl- clinic anymore. They always come up with some little relationship issue, like whether like sexual or otherwise, that he kind of assists with in some way. Like in this case, one of his friends, Lily, who I think was attracted to him in a previous episode, but not as much, is like wanting to get into sexual intercourse, but finds that like she it kind of hurts to do so. There's some something going on there. Like it's. Which gets resolved from he rolls down a hill in this episode, right? I'm not making that up. Is yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, no, that 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 happens in this episode. Um, yeah, that's sort of like one of like the last ish scenes. That sort of like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This scene, this also has like a couple different. Um, there's like apparently like drugs are being sold, and like a, a character is getting expelled, um, and then that character's. Um, I think boyfriend boyfriend yeah has to like <laughs> like the dean kind of seems like a scumbag um so like the one character like the boyfriend is like oh if i win this if i win this swimming contest like will you like you have to like uh like not unexpel her uh which he just doesn't do which is like i really like that um i think it's like it's a it's i think there's a lot of untapped potential in like um in like in like sort of like uh like school like comedy dramas where like adults can just not do the thing they promised they would do and like what are you going to do about it 
Um, I, I really like that. Um, cause like it's kind of, I feel like it's always a bit out of character when like the, the vindictively evil character just like goes, oh, well, I guess I have a sense of honor now about this situation in particular. Yeah. I'll, I'll get into that. Yeah. The girl in trouble is kind of Ma Maeve, who's like the female, like lead of the show. And yeah, the idea she's come, comes from a bit of a rough background. She has, she's like living in a trailer park and taking care of sort of her family. Her, her mother is kind of addiction issues and her, and her brother, a lot of the season is like her brother kind of comes back to town and yeah, he's been selling drugs and she sort of takes the fall for that to kind of protect him so he doesn't go back to jail or something or like there's some reason why she decides to to do it and and yeah the the headmaster there Groff, who he's like definitely kind of the antagonist for the first couple seasons um his son is sort of like uh yeah at, at least in like the this season and the first couple seasons where his son is sort of this, this bully but then you kind of get into the idea where you're like oh no it's just kind of th- this kid who like he does not have a healthy relationship with his dad and it's kind of him like and it's sort of causing the lash out in, in these ways and because he's like because that's kind of all he knows and then in the third season they actually kind of get rid of him and they bring in this new headmaster who winds up being even kind of worse they do sort of like an umbrage thing and Harry Potter where like because by because by the end of the second season there's been like a chlamydia outbreak at the school and the girl in this one who yeah who who is having the issues Lily kind of puts on a sex musical like it's and so (laughs) the third season is like this because it's like a private private school I'm not really sure how the British school system works but there's like a board of directors and they bring in this headmistress who like tries to turn it around by like introducing uniforms and she's she's really kind of like antagonistic towards one of the non-binary characters they introduce and like yeah it's really just uh uptight in general and and then the third season for that principal is kind of focused on him kind of realizing like sort of what a how what kind of what an asshole he is and sort of taking taking very tentative steps to kind of redeem him a, a little while still showing that he has progress to make by season season's end there but yeah it... yeah i would say like this yeah this um this probably has like out of all the tv shows that we've watched so far i think this one has like the best like um amount of content to like enjoyable understandable content ratio out of all of them um like like a shocking amount goes on in this episode but like it's just it's super entertaining at all some of them sort of interweave um i feel like weirdly enough i think the thing that gets like the least amount of time in this episode in particular is like the subject of the kiss um it is it is kind of nice. I feel like it's been a long time since we got a fight turned kiss. Um the last one, it's is it Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Is that the last one we got? For a fight turned kiss? Yeah. That might be. I yeah, mean in Aquaman there's a fight, but they're on the same side. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're not they're not fighting each other. And then before that I think it would have been um 
it would have been um lethal weapon three um Jeez, remember when we had third? <laughs> we remember back in the day when we, they were shooting us like sequels of sequels at us. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll never go. We'll never go back to those days again. Never, <laughs> never gonna cover Lethal Weapon Four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, the. The kiss in question. It's a it's a pretty good kiss. Um, I, I I guess have you seen have you have you seen a lot of Sex Education? Yeah, I'm all caught up. Yeah. Again, it's one of it's yeah. one of my favorite shows. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. Yeah, you, so you got you lucked out. All these shows are ones that you've watched. Um, yeah, it's ne- yeah. Next week is when we kind of get into more and stuff. Where I'm like, yeah, I haven't really kept up with this at all. But I but I did sort of. Yeah, so the third lead of Sex Education is like the lead Otis, his friend Eric, who's played wonderfully by like Shudi Gatwa as this kind of like sort of openly gay character who wants to be open and dre- and dresses really like just kind of, kind of like flamboyantly and in and in like non you know non gender conforming clothes and all this stuff and. A lot of his conflict, particularly in this first season, is him trying to do this in a world that is like kind of un unkind and cruel toward towards it. And the show is good at kind of dramatizing that while still giving him plenty of moments where you know he gets to have joy, and it's not just the suffering gay character, but kind of a big a big part of Eric's conflict in the first season is with the headmaster's son Adam who is, yeah, this guy who's, like, a bully and is really antagonistic towards him. And I'll say, the thing about the thing about this, kind of, this kiss between them is, it does play into, and I feel I've talked about this before, for, I forget the context why, but the sort of, there is a little unfortunate trope of the idea of the bully bullying the gay character is gay themselves. And the idea that there's this self-hating element that's sort of not there. And what Sex Education, I think, is actually good at is by the third season, Adam's, like, the best character. And they do a really good job fleshing him out. And you really get to, like, care... And you really get to kind of care about him and know his struggles and stuff. And sort of see what he and Eric bring to, like, this relationship as it's explored. But... It is kind of funny that this one gets nominated, like, right at the beginning, because it's like, as you said, they're in detention t- together, and then they get into a fight, and then suddenly Adam, like, kisses him, and they kind of continue it, but before the relationship can get any farther, Adam is sort of shift off to military school by his dad, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering, because, like, I, f- I wonder if it was one of those things that, like, just never gets brought up again or it was just for this episode but i'm glad that uh they it does come back and is like given like a lot of like it does turn out really well yeah in the second season eric gets kind of his own sort of love triangle because you know this isn't like one of those shows it's like oh yeah we have representation and that's just like one or two gay characters it's like a whole there's a whole like wide spectrum of like people of people and a, one of the things i like about the show this much is you know it's it has a wide amount of teens who have are really well fleshed out and their concerns are like t- 
taking taken like seriously and their lives are taken seriously and even like the jokiest character who I don't think we see in this one uh, at all but there's like a third season episode where this guy who, who the joke is like he's just kind of stoned he's kind of an idiot the whole time but they go on like this field trip to see World War One stuff and he gets into like this he has this really like profound moment where he just starts talking about it. it's like you know these people weren't much older than us when they like die and it kind of makes you think and then they they pivot that to him, like, trying to sell, like, people, like, mushrooms on a class field trip. And where the teacher's going, oh, you were doing so well. But still, like, they take him seriously in that moment. And I think that's one of the things this show is is good at. Like, it is kind of good at representing the, fu- the fullness of teenage life, if you will. Um. Mm-hmm. No, that's really good. Yeah. No, this was, like, I, I definitely, I wish I had, uh... Wish I had infinite time to watch all these things. Um, one of these days, I just need to devote a day to just watching nothing but TV shows, um, so I can catch up on everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely recommend Sex Education. Um. Yeah, but to uh, to cap her off, we have um, Venom. It's <laughs> <laughs> I barely listen to that song, and whenever I think of the title, I can just go, Venom! Venom. Eminem. Eminem Venom. Uh, it's, uh... Eminem is back. <laughs> he's <laughs> back, and he's Venom than ever. Um, yeah. <laughs> this one, um... This was, like, a really neat movie. Um, I definitely... I understand people's criticism, and I, I, I think I've already... I've already, uh, got a copy of, um... Of there will be carnage because I do want to give that a watch. Um, <laughs> I think the stinger is really funny in this movie. Um, it's uh, it's Woody Harrelson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woody Harrelson playing <laughs> just, essentially his natural born killer's role. Yeah, just going there will be carnage at the end of the movie. Uh, I think that's really funny. Um, yeah, yeah. I I think it's it's really neat. Um, I think you, uh, it's, oh man, like, I kind of like, um, like the first part where he kind of has his life together in contrast with like him being completely like in full, like, <laughs> like, uh, like bum mode, like just completely like lost everything. Um, oh man, I, I, I like the villain for like the first little bit. Um, I, I kind of enjoyed the, I enjoyed the fact that, like, he always had, like, a positive spin to put on things. Um, I think by the end when he becomes, like, pretty, like, overtly evil, it's just, like, like, I don't know, it's just less interesting as, like, a character. Um, I think it's always kind of nice where, like, a character can be evil, but always makes it, like, sound nice. Like, he's constantly in, like, an interview. Um, I really like that about it. Um... But this movie is just like really goofy and really fun. Um, I'm excited to watch the sequel because I feel like I feel like the. I wouldn't say that the parts without Venom are like bad, but like it's definitely more fun when Venom's there. Yeah, I'll I'll say I prefer the sequel a, a lot. Um, this this is a film I have seen it three times now, and the first the first time I I just did not like it that much. Like. 
I'll say this. Tom Hardy is giving a great performance. It's like just one of the most insane performances I've ever seen. Like even before he gets like the symbiote and gets Venom, it's just, it's like he's giving a Jim Carrey performance in a really grounded superhero movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where he's just kind of all over the place, but I found his performance engaging and then the rest of the, and then kind of everything else to be pretty dull. Like it's, yeah, and, like, this definitely has, like, the, probably one of, like, the worst Marvel tropes of, like, the villain is just, like, the the hero, but a different, like, a different color. Just, like, the bad... I mean, yeah. Let Them Be Carnage is also that. Ah, of, yeah. But, like, at least Carnage is red. This one, it, it's, like, just a different shade of black, or it's, like, yeah, a it's purple. Yeah, like, it's kind of, yeah, it's in, like, oh, man. And, like, visually... All of the fight scenes are really, really cool between, like, the two Venoms. But, like, I feel like hopefully the second movie does a lot more of these. But, like, there was only, like, one at the end. Um, like, yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, I feel there's not a lot of, like, big, like, symbi- symbiote fights in Venom 2 either. But, like, it, it's paced. There, there's stuff going on. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah. But know. then this time when I watched it, I actually, like, kind of appreciated that it was more more dull, because it, like, made the performance stand out more. But, like, Venom Let There Be Carnage, everyone is more playing to, like, Tom Hardy's level. The film is a bit sillier, less self-serious. It, yeah. The, the convenience store woman is brought back, a Mrs. Chen. Oh, nice. Just... Yeah. No, I remember because like the end of this movie when he like eats the guy that was like in like the trailers. I thought that happened in like the middle of the movie. Um, yeah, like yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, like it's Venom is like a really fun movie. Like I think all of my criticisms of it would sort of just be it's sort of just me asking for a totally different kind of movie. Um, yeah. Like, I, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. Because, like, sometimes they talk about things and, like, oh, I really wish they would, like, because, like, <laughs> I really like the scene. I think this is, I think there's potential. And maybe this happens in the second one, but I, I doubt it. But there's, like, really good potential. You know, the, near the end when he's talking about how, like, um, how, like, you know, there are good people and there are bad people and you can always eat the bad people. I think there's, like, there, there could be such a, like, a funny scene where, like, they just, delve into like a little bit of like philosophy in that and like like what if, what if somebody does like two really bad things but like a hundred little good things like can i eat that person or like just trying to be like trying to figure out which like which method of thought are using to derive goodness from and it it, it could, i don't know i feel like there's like a lot of fun to be had there yeah the second film, I'll say, is more about the relationship between Eddie and Venom, which they absolutely play like a love story, kind of. And huh. sort of the thing where, like, Eddie doesn't want Venom to eat anybody still. And Venom is like, Max is like, no, no, I want to, like, eat people. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think that's really neat. Um, I think that, like, that is such a... I don't know how much... Yeah, that's probably more attributed to, like, the character. I don't know how much this movie does with the character, um, but I, I, I think the idea of, like, you need to eat people or I'm going to eat you from the inside is, like, that's such an interesting, like, neat thing that, like, I feel like that's just, they're they're so rife with there to be, like, such a good moral dilemma there um, that I wish they, like, played a little more. But then that's also, that also just might not be the kind of movie they're going for, which is totally fine.
Yeah. Oh man, like, okay. What did you think of the kiss? Oh yeah, the the kiss. Uh, I'm always like excited and uh, like a. Uh... Yeah, because the kiss is like really really good, and like, I don't know why it's not credited as a three person kiss. Like it really should be, <laughs> like. Like, I feel like this is more of a three-person kiss than any of the ones that actually got credited as a three-person kiss. Because if we're getting technical, um, everything everything so far that's been credited as a three-person kiss was actually just two um, distinct two-person kisses, one after the other. Whereas this one, I feel like you can make the argument that this is actually a single kiss between three people. Um, but they don't even credit it as such, which is just, oh, it's, what a missed opportunity by MTV. Well, because Tom Hardy also plays Venom, is sort of the oh, thing. Oh, yeah, I guess. Like, it's him doing, like, a voice. I actually and... didn't know that. That's really funny. <laughs> actually awesome. Yeah, all those scenes, it's, much of this movie is just him talking to himself. I actually like, didn't know that. I thought, I thought Venom was a different guy. Or, like, voiced by a different guy. That's, oh, man, like... I feel like I don't give Tom Hardy nearly enough credit for these movies now. Um, yeah, it, it's an insane performance. <laughs> but but yeah, the, I would say it's between three people. Um, yeah, for people who haven't really seen Venom, the the relationship in it between like Tom Hardy and the character Eddie, and then Michelle Williams' character Anne, it it's somewhere. It's not the most like, exciting. It's kind of. They break up early on to the film when he basically steals privileged information she has as a lawyer to use as a news story and winds up being a failed takedown of this company, the Life Foundation. And then they're broken up and she's largely just with this other other guy, Dan, for the rest of the film who Oh man. Was like pretty... Can I I I love how nice Dan is. Yeah, Dan's uh, great. <laughs> I, I, I really like, I, I feel like I've talked about, I feel like I talked about this maybe like in a really old episode, but like, I am ecstatic when characters are just nice in movies. Because I feel like so many, especially like things that lean more towards comedy, just have this really, really bad trope of like, any like character that isn't like the main character is just like an asshole for no reason. Or like, just has like something... Or is, like, nice to a fault, or is, like, really annoyingly nice. But, like, yeah, like, the the boyfriend character is just is just really nice and kind. Like, it's just un, unconditionally very nice to, like, to, to like um, Tom Hardy's character. Yeah, he, yeah, and, like, in the, second, well, in the second film, you do get a sense where, like, he's kind of, like, exhausted with having the, like, yeah, deal with deal with like their their antics and stuff but yeah again it's still like he's helpful he's trying to contribute contribute to stuff too and yeah dan's nice he's trying to like help yeah he's trying to help eddie with what he to him looks like this thing that's kind of slowly killing him well we find out that's not really or fully the the case here and yeah but it's nice that you have this guy and like he's not like the other guy like Anne is does seem like ha- happy with him even though there's still that connection which of course leads to a point where eddie has been captured and venom has escaped and it is kind of part of the things they established is 
in order for us to be able to bond with a human as to be the right person, otherwise it can't go for long periods of time, but um, in, in the comics, the character of Anne does eventually become this character She-Venom, which is partly why they have chose to have her, like, host this, host, like, the symbiote as just kind of a little, like, wink to the, you know, hardcore Venom fans, but, but they do have where, like, in both films have sequences where she and Venom will bond for periods of time, and in this one it's like Eddie's about to be, like, killed in the woods, and then she shows up, and she goes there, like, kind of eats the main mook, and then she and Eddie share this kiss to transfer Venom back onto them, but yeah, it definitely is like he's, like, kissing Venom, and then it turns into he's kissing her, but... Yeah, this is kind of like the last three-way kiss. I think you're right. Yeah. Like it's... it's it's like it's it's more a three-way kiss than ever. Um, yeah, no, it's it's absolutely is probably like one of the most visually cool ones I've seen. Um, like it's de- definitely like a lot going on with it, and I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, another like small detail I like about this movie, and like I wonder if they go into it in like the next movie, but it's kind of like I like how. I like how it's it's canon that Venom is just sort of like a loser on his planet, and that's why he likes bonding with Eddie so much, or that's why they like they have such a good bond. Um, I think that's really cool. Yeah, they don't go into as much symbiote lore in like Venom Two, but like they sort of hint at it at the at the end. But there there is like a really good bit. Then I don't want to tell you because it's the trailers where when Carnage suddenly shows shows up, oh yeah, because Venom's ready to help, and then he sees Connor, she's like, like, oh shit, that's a red one! And then he, like, goes away, and Eddie has to, like, bribe him to come back out to fight. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Like, he doesn't explain why it's bad that he's a red one, but he's like, that's a red one! <laughs> oh, it's no. like, no! Just... I can't wait. Oh, man. Yeah. God. Um, and then... Yeah, one last thing. According to Wikipedia, the the line Michelle Williams says where she's like, I love you, but I love myself more, was added by the actress as a reference to the Me Too movement. Oh, that's really neat. That's a really good line in that movie. Yeah. Um, and and I, again, I think I like about Anne, too, is Michelle Williams doesn't get a ton to do, but she always does feel like her own person and not just someone who's, like, the girlfriend. Like, it's... No, exactly. Like, I don't... Man, crucify me if I'm wrong, but, like, I don't think at any point she's never used as, like, a... Like a, oh, come save the girl. Like, I think the main conflict is driven by, like, like the big rocket ship going to bring more symbiotes down to Earth to, like, eat everybody. The second one does kind of use her as come save the girl, but it... Which is... Which is a bit of a bummer, but, like, it... They, they do it kind of well, and she still gets moments of agency within that, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, yeah, <laughs> I guess, um, oh, small spoilers, um, for the newest Spider-Man. What did you think of the, the post-post-credit scene with Venom? Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> like, if you enjoy that scene, Venom 2 is, like, a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's honestly, like, what I, I really enjoyed. I really super enjoyed that about it. Or he's just because he has his own experience with the alien. Oh, I really yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but but with that, I think we can go and uh, 
see how these movies stack up to one each other. Well, movies and TV shows. Yeah, so. yeah I think, um, so for, ooh, this is like really tough. Um, and I had to go with my gut for a lot of these because I, I, I watched Riverdale like a, a couple days ago and I watched all the other ones like yesterday. Um, so I kind of have to go with my gut with a lot of this. But I think for, for the movies slash TV shows, I think um, at the bottom, I think is um, Aquaman. I feel like its quality is like it has high highs and just kind of boring lows at some point. Um, but still like overall like a good experience. Um, I think above that, um, I think oof, uh, I think I would put Sex Education. Um, no real fault of its own. It's sort of just like a Stranger Things scenario where like I just I I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, but I think this I think this episode honestly kind of retroactively um, ruins me watching any previous episode because I know where a lot of arcs go. But hopefully I'll watch Sex Education enough in the future where that won't be a problem. Um, and then I think above that, so right in the middle, I think I'd put, um, Venom, just like a very, very fun experience. Um, like Tom Hardy, I didn't even know he played Venom too. It's like Tom Hardy pulling, pulling double duty, doing an amazing job. Um, and then I think at the very top, I think I'm going to put, uh, to all the boys I've loved before with Riverdale just a little bit before, um, that may, wow. that, that may be a surprise, given, like, how much I've talked about it, but, like, I kind of have to go with my gut in that, like, I was ecstatic watching that with you, you and our, our friend. Um, like, I have to just go with my gut that, like, that, it must have been a good experience, um, just how I felt watching it, uh, that maybe doesn't translate into sort of, like, intellectualized thoughts later, a couple days later, um... So yeah, that is my that is my movie slash TV rankings. Yeah, so up in mind where to no, I do like all of these. Um, yeah, at the bottom, yeah, pro I probably still have Venom at the bottom, even though I did like this a lot more this time. Where, like, you know, it is still a thing where it is one performance really carrying the whole thing. But what a performance it is. Um. Then above that, yeah, probably Riverdale. I, I just really can't justify pu putting like Riverdale that high. It's like it, it's entertaining, but also I've watched enough of the show where like it, it's also a novelty when things just go insane for me. Like where I'm like, yeah, this is just a, it's a regular week on the old Riverdale, especially in season three, which was again really off the rails and bonkers. Um. Above that, ooh, this is where it gets a bit tricky. Um, probably just, yeah, sex education. It's, yeah, the top, my top three are all really close to each other. Sex education, yeah, it's a really good episode, but it is a finale. I think they, they've definitely done better ep episodes when... Once I don't have the burden as much of tying up so many things, as much as I love the show, um, then for top, hmm, I think for top, yeah, it's in contrast to Ben, it's been a while since this happened, I'm gonna have to go with Aquaman for the top spot, with two all the boys I love before just slightly below it, I just, 
just really love that Aquaman. Like, and, you know, maybe I have to watch it when I'm sober at some point, but I'll say, I'm always just ecstatic watching the film. Everything in it just makes, brings me, like, joy. Well, except for maybe Amber Heard, but, y you know, there's, for, for all the ML and Amber Heard's in it, there's just so much stuff that's good. O Octopus playing drums. I've brought this up before. I'll keep bringing it up. It, it's great. So, yeah. But to all the boys I love before, also really good. And if you've kind of slept on it because you're like, well, it's another generic Netflix rom-com, give it a watch. You might be surprised. But how did the kisses do? Ooh, oh, yeah, the kisses. So I think at the very bottom, I have the Riverdale one. Um, it's like a, it would be a great kiss if they let it finish. It's kind of very similar to the Slumdog Millionaire one, um, where like there was there's such a good kiss there, but you just you couldn't you couldn't help yourself. You couldn't you couldn't uh, not let you gotta let it finish. You know. Um, then I think above that one, um, I think I would have the Aquaman kiss, um, mainly because like the kiss is like okay. But it's mainly the stuff around the kiss that is really interesting, though. Um, like, if this was just... If the camera was, like, doing, like, medium shots on both the characters, I feel like it might even be at the bottom. Um, I feel like it's just the, the scope of it, kind of, what elevates this one up from, like, the bottom spot. Uh, these are all great kisses, though. Um, above that one, I think I put the sex education kiss. It's just been a while since we've got, like, a fight into kiss, which are, like, always, like, pretty captivating. Um, and then the kiss itself is just really, really, like, really passionate and really good um, in a show that is, like, about, like, sex and kissing. <laughs> um, and then, at the very top, I'm going to have the Venom kiss. It is probably, like, one of the most, like, visually interesting kisses, um, like, in this, like, I don't know if it's going to be my best kiss. I don't, no, nah, not, probably not. But, like, just such a visually interesting one. Like, after... After so many, like, kisses, um, like, that we've gone through, like, almost a hundred, I would say. I don't know if that number's accurate, but a lot of kisses. Um, seeing one that, like, is, like, a three-way kiss never been done like this before. And just every, and to the movie's credit, anything that involves Venom, like, splitting apart into, like, goo and, like, moving around is always super neat to see. Um, and then just the boys, boys... Uh, to all the boys I'd loved before, just a little bit below that one, because it's like it's a very, very like good. It's a good like setup. It's a good like follow through, and like I just it's a very two characters are like doing my favorite trope ever, um, and it's just it's it's very simple, but that's what kind of makes it beautiful. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, mine mine is similar. Um, yeah, Riverdale kiss at the bottom. It it's fine. Not not nearly their best kiss. It's it's kind of funny that this one got nominated, but yeah. Then uh, above that, I would probably have the sex education one just because I'll say like contest of the fighting. It always throws me a li little off. I'm like, oh yeah, and these two characters, I know have much better kisses later on in the run of the show, and maybe they'll get nominated for one of those next year. Well. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Um, then above that, Aquaman. Yeah, like it. Or maybe maybe I do put Aquaman below. No, no, no. I think the scope elevates it for me, even if the chemistry is not there. Like the fireworks and the like big battle going around and then the kiss. That's just really cool. 
And then, yeah, I'm going to have to, like, agree with you that Venom is the top kiss for the week. Like, it is just, it is a scene where I wish the rest of that movie had the energy of Eddie Brock kissing Venom, turning, going into, like, Anne, going into, like, Cam. Like, it really is, yeah, the ultimate three-way kiss, even though it definitely was not marketed as such. But the two all the boys kiss? Really good, too. And, yeah, that about brings us to the end of Best Kiss 2019, our penultimate kissing year. But before we get into kind of what's coming up next, it's it's time for Recommendation of the Week. What you got, Ben? Wait, don't we do... Is it Recommendations and Plugs, or Plugs and Recommendations? It's recommendations and plugs. Oh, sorry, it's been a while. Um, so my we recorded just last week. <laughs> we recorded last year. I don't even know if that's true. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, something I was watching a lot of last night was a lot of um, SCP videos, which is sort of this like weird internet phenomenon. It stands for Secure, Contain, Protect, which is just sort of this. It's, I don't know if it's a kind of like, it's kind of like an offshoot of like creepypastas where like a bunch of people write stories as if they're like this big organization that like contains like monsters and like weird like artifacts. Um, and there's a video on it um, by a, ch- by, uh, called Down the Rabbit Hole. So the video is called the SCP Foundation Down the Rabbit Hole. And I really think it's neat. I think one of my favorite things about it is that, um, the people that were like running like the website, it's essentially just like a bunch of people telling stories. Um, but I remember there was, there was like a part in the video where there was a bit of a problem because people were just like making like really goofy, lame stories. And then the moderators of the website, like they said something that was just so cool. That was just like, we need to act like the moderation on this website needs to act like this real organization would have acted. Uh, where we need to like nip things in the bud like this because like they really want it to present like it's this actual real thing and like if you watch any videos on it that's how it's almost unanimously presented like it's this real foundation um it's just it's just super neat it's like a little neat piece of of internet culture that i really enjoy um and i think the channel is called um frederick uh newton is like a possibly a silent K in front of that last name. So sorry if it's uh Kudnutsen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that sounds really cool. Um, yeah, for me, I'm going to plug. Um, to no, I'm into the point where I'm like, have I brought this up before? Or my recommendation of the week is, um, uh. I've been doing some reading over the the winter break. I don't do a lot of casual reading when school's in session, and then I try and catch up. And one for, for all for all the stuff I read, which is often just like uh, paperback thrillers I pick up, and oral histories of different TV shows, and kind of some nonfiction things into. Uh, yeah. I'm going to recommend some good young adult YA fiction from the author Karen McManus, who she's she's published, I think, about six books now. I've, I've read them all. They're, yeah, I enjoy them all. It's 
her her debut book and one that's like pretty popular and I believe they made a TV show out of it that I have not seen because it was on the American Network Peacock is called One of Us is Lying where the pitch was like oh Breakfast Club meets Pretty Little Liars where basically the idea is oh five kids go walk into the detention and four of them walk out and the idea is like one of them dies from this allergy thing but then there's, it's possible that there's some kind of murder going on, and it's this kid who ran this gossip blog, and he was about to publish big things on all the other four people. So these four people kind of have to come together and figure out what's going on on there. Um, the one, and then there was a sequel to that one. The book I just read, it's kind of a similar thing where it's like take a take a classic high school movie type trope and throw some murder in. It's called like You'll Be the Death of Me, and it's like. These these three kids who, when they were younger in middle school, they formed a friendship by just choosing the cut class one day and having this great kind of day. And then now they're all split apart, but for various reasons, they decide to, like, try and recreate that, even though they have nothing to say to each other now. So while they're, like, cutting, they witness one of their classmates going into a location and they, fo- and they follow him to discover this class, to discover this classmate is suddenly dead and then, like, the suspect kind of matches the description of, like, one of the kids, and, and like, she had a, and it's, the, and she had, like, a specific bone to pick with this, like, now de- dead kid where he had beat her for student counsel, so suddenly, like, it's her trying to, like, or they're all trying to, like, solve the murder, and it's taking place over a day, and th- these aren't books that take very long to read, but, yeah, you know, if you got, like, 20 bucks to throw on, throw on something, it's, I think they're well-written, and I enjoy them a lot. And, yeah, that's what I'm plugging this week. Check out Karen McManus. Good offer. Um, yeah. And now it's plugs, Ben, yeah. so. Amen. Oh, what you got to plug? Probably <laughs> nothing that interesting, huh? Nothing at all. <laughs> um, as always, I have my Twitter, um, where you can usually always find uh, really funny accompaniments to the regular Twitter accounts, uh, tweets when episodes come out. Um, that is uh, at uh, Gak Gak G H A K G H A K. I should really just change it to T and make it, make it Gat Gat because I, I I always for, I always almost say it. Um, and then <laughs> um, on my Instagram, um, not two pens. Uh, so not underscore like the number two underscore pens. I am uh, doing. Um, a daily thing where I post um, a drawing and then a photo of myself in the gym. Um, it's uh, I know two years ago I did Year of the Rat where I posted a rat every day. Um, and I kind of want to do something similar but a little more like self-indulgent uh, and way harder. Um, I think yesterday was like my fourth day um, back in the gym. Um, and oh man, this is it's much harder than looking up a bunch of rat photos. Uh, but it's keeping me consistent, and it's been really fun. Um, same with drawing as well. So go go follow that. Uh, not two pens on Instagram. No, oh, that's really cool. Um, you can find me on Twitter or on Letterboxd at like a Wolverine. Um, you can plug. Uh, so I, I don't really put my Instagram. I think I did it once, and then I cut it out because I'm like, eh, I don't know. But uh, yeah. You can follow me on Instagram, Kenny Freaking Sage. Um, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod. 
You can follow us on Instagram at Pass the Golden Popcorn. If you're wondering why our Twitter isn't Pass the Golden Popcorn, it's because Twitter has more character limits than Instagram does. So, um, maybe I should have kept it consistent, but hey. Gold Popcorn Pod for Twitter, Pass the Golden Popcorn for Instagram, Pass the Golden Popcorn at gmail.com if you want to email us. And yeah, that about does it. Our theme song is by Matt Samard, um, future guest probably. I, I told him he agreed to do it, but now we actually, we'll see if he watches those movies. He's, he's a busy guy. <laughs> yeah. No, I can, I yeah. can sit him down and we can, you can do it my method where we watch everything at two times speed and crank him out. God. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ben does our artwork. He's currently working on like artwork for our next series or at least was at one point you showed me like rough drafts yeah i've, I've been chipping away at that that might be something i post to my instagram because i might not if, I, if that's an, a drawing i work on that day i might not have time for another so if you want to see like progress of that what that new artwork might be go follow my instagram yeah um yeah we are hosted on friendly mush uh if you like the show tell your friends like review subscribe keep keep listening to stuff and hey now we are almost at the end so as we all know there is a pandemic and as a result of that pandemic which is ongoing there is not an mtv movie awards in 2020 um will we talk about like good kisses in 2020 maybe one day but uh i think for the record of like getting to the end for doing something a bit easier before a big kind of finale we're gonna move just move on to 2021 last year when everyone was like hey we're coming out of this thing now what, what could happen multiple variants people ignoring vaccinations like hey just that could never happen <laughs> yeah oh man so for 2021 and our yeah and our big yeah and our big kind of fin- finale the nominees are all TV. Well, I I, I realize I don't know why I said that so dramatically, but yeah, <laughs> the, Venom was kind of the last movie we're covering for this season of the podcast. Um, so next week's an all TV week, and for that, the nominees are Joe jo, jo, Jody Comer. Comer. I've never really figured out how to say her last name. I'm realizing, and Sandra O. Oh, Killing Eve. Lily Collins and Lucas Bravo, Emily in Paris, Matrei Ramakrishnan and Jaron Lewison. Never have I ever. I also don't know if that's right, but boy, I sounded confident. Um, re- yeah, this is another me looking at pronunciations, and he's and this next guy hosted SNL. And oh. I should listen to his name more, but re yeah, Reggie Jean Page. Page and Phoebe Dr- D- Dynavor, Bridgerton, and the winners, Chase Stokes and Madeline Klein, Outer Banks. So yeah, yeah. I, how many? One last week at TV. Yeah, shows? how many? I, know you, I think you uh, told me that you've seen Outer Banks. Um, I watched multiple episodes of Outer Banks leading up to the kiss. Yeah. Uh, Killing Eve, I watched the first two seasons of, did not really watch this season where the kiss happens, but it happened early enough where, like, I had an idea. Um, Emily in Paris, I watched a few episodes of, and then, 
Oh, sorry. Sorry, Ben. I'm gonna take this. Wow, almost at the end, too. <laughs> Gotta scrap the whole episode. Hey, I'm back. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. Alright. <laughs> so we go for all the shows, at least. Um, yeah. Yeah, so never have... So, yeah, Emily and Paris I saw a few episodes of, and then kind of didn't pick back up on it, and then so, well, watch the finale for this. And, but then Never Have I Ever, I enjoy a lot, and Bridgerton I've also seen all of. So, oh, nice. yeah, it's a bit there. And we are going to be bringing on a guest who has seen all of Elder Banks. Oh, I'm so. glad, because I'm going to be so lost next week. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully... These episodes will be able to stand up on their own, you know. I, I, yeah. I don't want some of them do. Uh, um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed listening. Uh. Me and Kenny, as all heroes do, must take our self-imposed exile. Um. Until next time. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So keep passing that golden popcorn and. Just remember, stay away from those fizzle rocks. <laughs> exactly. And watch out for the Gargoyle King. And his Gargoyle King. And his Gargoyles. Uh, or yeah. his Gargoyles. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, right. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.